Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Hi, um, so this is Mark Green sitting in for Mary Woods. I'm the medical director at Westbridge and I get the pleasure of doing the occasional show um, when Mary's out of town or when a guest is particularly up my alley. Today we've got Corley Jones. Hi, Corley. Hi, Mark. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, Corley is president of PCI, a national medical development company, and an expert in researching the best in cutting-edge evidence-based services. Um, we'll hear a bit more about that. Um, and you have been involved in sales and marketing for specialty diagnostic um, laboratories, and you've been involved in the development of something called the PCI STEP plan, um, which is very important for addiction medicine field. Now, um, Corley, um, you're in uh, Colorado now? I am in Colorado. So here in Boston, it's dreary, sleety, cold, and I bet it's very different where you are right now, right? It is beautiful. And actually, we had a light dusting of snow last night, and this morning Mm -hmm. woke up and it is beautiful, sunny skies. The weather is probably, it's about 60 right now, and it's just a very pleasant spring day. Well, I'm jealous. It's and I'm sending you. it your way. I'm sending it your way. Thank you. And the two, um, you met Mary, our CEO and general host of um, One Hour at a Time, at a conference in Florida. Which conference was that? Uh, that was a conference that was put on by the National Institute for Holistic Addiction Studies, and the focus was more of an experiential uh, conference on holistic-type medicine. It was uh, very good, and it was obviously it was a pleasure meeting uh, Mary, who is um, a lovely person and very knowledgeable herself. Uh, very knowledgeable and very open to um, multiple approaches, um, which brings you to our attention, really. Um, so tell us a little bit about the approach that PCI has been um, advocating and which I suppose you were talking to Mary about down in Florida, which um, is important for addiction medicine at the moment. Yeah, well, the PCI step plan um, really is uh, some of that, what you, what you mentioned, Mark. We've researched what's out there that's cutting edge, that's evidence-based, that would be um, uh, tools that those that are in recovery can use to really uh, help them in the recovery. And just on a personal note, Mark, um, 
we have a real strong personal interest mm-hmm. in addiction medicine because uh, I myself am in recovery. Our uh, national director of product de- development, he also is in recovery. And mm-hmm. so some of the things that we've researched and used in our own lives and have found such, found such great benefit from, our desire is to share those with others that are in recovery. Yeah, so you've got a real... Um excitement about bringing this to the field um, because of your own personal experience and this is a real personal quest as well as a, a, a business. Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah. And just uh, for our listeners, we do have another segment of our business which is the primary care physician market and we have a step plan for that market um, and we also have a step plan for chronic pain which of course is very prevalent in, um, in, in those with recovery. There's some rather large statistics in the number of individuals that um, have, uh, have gotten addicted to pain medication because they're in chronic pain, frankly. But we're, but we're truly excited about the addiction medicine piece uh, with so many individuals out there that are suffering with addictions and then um, for the large number of people that are in recovery and they have a strong desire to, you know, stay in recovery and, and getting tools to them to assist them. Absolutely. So tell us about some of the evidence-based approaches which you um, and your organization have found particularly important for addictions, but let the, but probably from a holistic perspective, because unless they're going to overlap a great deal, you know, we, we at Westbridge talk a great deal about apt services and integrated dual disorders treatment and CBT, cognitive behavioral therapies for addictions and psychotic disorders and the like. But um, are you talking about those evidence-based practices or other ones? We're we're speaking more about holistic type uh, ancillary services to uh, what is typically being done in addiction medicine. Okay, so let's, let's talk a bit about those. Okay, well, I think um, just to start off with, we're really excited about this uh, new product that came to our attention, and it really um, involves about 30 years of research, and the focus of this product is to address the estimated 100 million Americans. This is a lot of individuals that are estimated to have the genes that are associated with addiction, Hmm. and to make it very simple and put it 30 years of research in a nutshell, um, these individuals have issues with the uptake of dopamine, with their receptor sites receiving the dopamine and being able to use uh, the dopamine. And, of course, dopamine is our happy, our feel-good uh, hormone. So for these individuals, they're not getting enough dopamine, and so they don't feel as happy as perhaps other people. Uh, maybe one person can enjoy watching a sunset and feel happy, you know, just sitting there and watching the sunset. And for someone else, it just doesn't have, resonate with them the same way. And these individuals that have this predisposition to addiction, uh, whether they have that first cigarette or maybe they're gambling or, you know, have the glass of alcohol or whatever it is, it actually lights up that area of the brain and helps them to uptake more dopamine and they feel happy and normal. And, of course, they want to continue to feel like that. And, um, of course, we go down the, the road of, uh, of addiction. So Now, the, you're uh, talking yeah. about um, a particular gene that um, was identified, I guess, in the 80s or 
also um, there's been a whole host of addictions which have been um, genes which have been associated with addictions, um, but none of them have been an addiction gene per se. Um, all of them may pre- um, predispose in some way to impulsivity or novelty seeking or um, the degree of um, reinforcement that any novelty, including drugs, can um, bring. There's been some genes, say, with the opioid receptors, uh, which may confer some increased binding of opiates. But no, no gene have really been found to be the addictions gene, but um, maybe predispose in, in some complex way over the course of development to someone being more risk of loss of control with drugs. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. That's mm-hmm. that's absolutely right. And I think um, actually it's like there's about 300 plus genes that have now been linked to addiction. And uh, some of this, and I'm sure you know we've heard this before, but reward deficiency syndrome, and that kind of term has been and been linked to this whole uh, gene area um, with um, with uh, reward deficiency and, and that predisposition. Mm-hmm. Or, or predisposition, predisposition or consequence. So when someone has developed an addiction and they've really narrowed the brain's response to dopamine yes. to a very particular group of reinforcers, namely their drug of addiction, and mm-hmm. other things in life pale by comparison. And when the, that drug is removed or people are in some abstinence or even during the um, drug use, their relative, they experience a relative reward deficiency syndrome um, for quite a long time until the regular reinforcers that end up turning us all on um, become interesting again. Yes, and, um, and uh, some of the research that has been done by uh, Dr. Ken Blum has shown that uh, one of the drugs that really affects the uptake of dopamine is cocaine. And then next to cocaine, alcohol, and then smoking, um, interestingly enough. But, uh, but this, um, this product, Synopsygenex, the, the, it's an amino acid type of product, and it, it's actually called neuroadaptogen amino acid therapy. It actually helps that part of the brain to uptake um, the receptor sites to uptake more dopamine. And what clients are reporting is a reduction in cravings and also just a sense of well-being, mood regula- regulation, uh, feeling happier. So we're really excited about that product. I personally have been taking it for a couple of months now. Um, since I've been in recovery for over 20 years, I don't struggle with cravings anymore, but it really has hope, ha- helped quite a bit in um, concentration. And also my husband says I'm a little happier. So. <laughs> Do you know what's in SynaptogenX? Um, I don't, but uh, our listeners can go to a website and they can look at the exact ingredients. But it is a, a proprietary type of amino acid yeah. blend. But of course, they do um, publish what what exactly is in that amino acid blend. And it's um, you know it's Ken Blum's, Dr. Blum's research of over over thirty years that mm-hmm. has gone into that product. Right. So um, as no, I don't want to be endorsing and as a uh, as the medical director of Westbridge, and I'm not. I I 
not aware of which chemicals are in the synaptogenics. Um, but what you're saying is it in somehow improves the dopaminergic deficiency, um, which um, some people feel is, um, important for reward deficiency syndromes, particularly, you know, which can persist a long time after people um, decrease their drug use um, and somehow improve cravings. And this is actually a way that um, some other pharmaceutical agents are thought to work, say, um, well, butrin, SR, or bupropion, um, which is an antidepressant which um, has been used, say, for to assist nicotine um, cessation and can decrease smoking craving. Um, and um, other dopaminergic agents were used for many decades and have come and gone in popularity um, because they can give a feeling of, initially a feeling of, improvement, but then over the long term, not, haven't necessarily panned out. But do you know what the longest term studies have been with synaptogenics at this point? Well, one, one study that was done, and, and I believe it was at Bridging the Gaps, um, is actually where the, the study was taking, took place. But it was with a group of alcoholics, and there were 23 alcoholics in the study. It was a two-year study, and the end of the study was that um, after two years, 90% of the individuals were in recovery, and there was 70-some percent of them. I don't have the percentage right here in front of me. I was looking for it while we were just speaking. But 70-some uh, but percent of the individuals had never relapsed during the mm -hmm. entire, entire two years. And this isn't uh, one study. There, there's several uh, studies out there in double digits, actually, that are all speaking to the same type of statistics, which are really remarkable. Do you know if those were blinded studies with control groups? So some, some people were taking the drug, some people weren't taking the drug. They, neither one knew, and then it was rated by blinded raters um, over the course of the study? Um, that's a good question, Mark, and, and to be honest, I really don't know. These are uh, all the kind of things I'll, I'll have to look, but it's an exciting idea, and the use of amino acids and alternatives to current pharmaceuticals is a whole area which really does need to be explored, both within addictions and within um, psychiatry in general. The, the use of fish oils and um, has really taken a great deal of... Um, shown a great deal of promise uh, for a variety of conditions and um, I think the use of um, amino acids certainly is a high yield area to be explored. Um, let's have a quick break and come back in a moment. Yep, sounds good. Okay. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 
1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Hello, um, this is Mark Green. Maybe one day I'll get my name on there, and it won't be This Is Mary. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. But for now, um, Mark Green, and I'm with Corley. Tell us about um, the role of inflammation in addictions treatment. Well, inflammation uh, in the published literature over the last four or six years has been linked to just about every chronic condition out there. Um, from, um, you know, cardiovascular disease, autoimmune disorders, GI issues, headaches, sleep disorders, depression. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. And um, inflammation is also linked to chronic pain, adrenal fatigue, heavy metal toxicity, and other conditions that are associated with addiction. So it's something that is of uh, interest to us and personally, I have benefited uh, from uh, anti-inflammatory type of diet and addressing these types of issues that are associated with inflammation. It has helped me tremendously in my recovery. And I would go so far as to say 20 years ago, if I had not gotten involved in holistic medicine and had started to apply some of these things in my life, I'm not sure if I would be here today. I was uh, in pretty sad shape and um, um, just really had marked improvement addressing these issues. So um, you're right. Um, chronic inflammation is an immensely important arena, and it overlaps so much with it's almost indistinguishable um, from chronic stress, um, which is really a um, the most important organ, the most important gland in the body regulating um, chronic inflammation and stress is the brain. Um, and, you know, memory and context and putting together pain and, of course, drug use and early memory can all 
um, impact that stress and inflammatory process throughout the body. Right, and the, the key thing with inflammation, it's it's supposed to be a short-term response to, you know, if you have an injury or infection or allergy, something along those lines. But, for you know, in for some reason, and we can talk about some of those reasons, the response doesn't shut off, and it continues to stimulate these pro-inflammatory immune cells which float around the bloodstream. They'll settle in different tissues, and they cause inflammation. And chronic inflammation in a particular area is linked to cancer. It's um, linked to all different types of of things, as we mentioned. So if we can deal with the inflammation, um, we're going to be able to really help ourselves in in recovery. There was a really interesting... Are you aware of any um, research showing a connection between chronic inflammation and addictions per se? Um, not per se, but uh, ancillary type of studies. There was a study done uh, uh, from, well, in Europe, from your area, King's College in London. Mm-hmm. And these individuals as adults, when they were children, they were physically or sexually abused. This study showed that they were twice as likely to have inflammatory proteins in their blood. Statistically, um, that's a very interesting factor. I, I personally was, as a child, sexually abused, mm-hmm. and as an adult, um, I have been diagnosed with, well, many years ago, but Hashimoto's, which, of course, is the autoimmune form of hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. So I've always, as an adult, had a lot of inflammatory proteins, and that's why it's been important to me to address it. But um, that's a very interesting uh, statistic. It is, and um, the impact of early trauma and early neglect on the immune system um, is very profound. Um, you can see that even in, well, in rodent studies, you can see that even if the, in the infants of parents who were abused themselves in their youth, so it can even be transmitted through a generation, even if those infants are removed from the, the parents. So, um, you know, I guess putting that in human terms, assuming the same translates from rodents to humans, um, if, you, if a mother was mistreated as a kid and then had a kid who was immediately adopted, you would still see the same immune changes and stress hormone regulatory changes in that child. Um, from the um, mother's um, experiences in her lifetime. So these effects can really be incredibly profound and persist through um, genetic and epigenetic phenomena. Um, And all of those changes are associated with increased rates of addiction um, and a whole host of um, stress-related conditions. And, and here's something that we don't uh, we don't necessarily think about, but noise. There um, has been study done that children with prolonged exposure to noise, over which they have no control, leads to learned helplessness syndrome. And this is a condition that's linked to uh, poverty and depression. And girls um, exposed to traffic noise they've um, noted that they become less motivated and they think that this is from, you know, a sense of helplessness that develops because they had no control over that noise. And then um, one of my favorites is a study that was done at Texas A&M because it showed that women have a lower threshold to noise and find it much more stressful than men. So if there's a loud, sudden noise and a woman just, you know, jumps, is we feel 
you know, right in our gut, fear. I mean, you can feel it right there, whereas a man just doesn't react the same way. Mm-hmm. So noise can actually be very stressful to us. And, of course, in, in our modern-day culture, it's pretty hard to get away from uh, the noise. And especially you emphasize that sense of powerlessness that arises from not being able to escape from any stressor. So it could be noise, it could be pain, it could be um, a difficult home environment. So you've, you've, in your work, found inflammatory problems of all kinds related to, um, have ended up being related to addictions in, 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 a, in a clinical way? Um, well, well. Yes, there's been there's been links. Here, for example, um, genetically modified foods, and mm-hmm. we'll focus on the two main ones because it's in everything we eat. Just about is corn and soy. Yeah. And and just a little side note for those of us who maybe buy at the health food store and we think, oh well, I'm immune to that because I get my soy milk from the health food store and my corn products. Um, well, you know, research has shown, Dr. Robert Roundtree, in his research, they went to the mountains of Mexico and they found that the wild corn tested positive for the genetically modified strain because all of this is carried on the pollens. But basically what we have done through genetically modifying foods is we have introduced into our diet amino acids that have never been in the human diet before. And our bodies can not process them properly, and so therefore they settle. Uh, it ca- causes, once again, these uh, immune uh, inflammatory proteins, and they'll bind with these amino acids, settle in different uh, tissues. You know, Is that right? Have there been some studies um, linking um, genetically modified foods to some um, stress-related changes? Yet there actually there actually has been, huh. and it, and it's really it's really remarkable because this is um, this is something that we really need to focus on. There is a researcher, Dr. Habib, who has linked um, genetically modified soy to Hashimoto's. Now this is just an anecdotal little bit of information here. But when I, 18 years ago, or 19 years ago, when I was pregnant with our older son, mm. because of all the information out there about, you know, too much milk, et cetera, I drank soy milk the whole time I was pregnant for that protein and, you know, when he was born. And I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's syndrome a year after he was born. And there's a real strong link between that and um, and the soy, as well as a link with lupus and MS with these genetically modified foods. And all of these are autoimmune disorders. So it's very concerning. Um, I have to look into you know, this. I mean, all of those conditions are obviously around for many decades before ge- genetically modified food. But um, you can imagine how introducing, as you say, different proteins and different structures into the into the diet, into the body, um, would um, cause some auto, some immune reaction to it, uh, which could have significant consequences. Our body um, hasn't been exposed to so many um, agents in the environment, which must be um, an assault. It, it, it is, and you know um, the the increase in the autoimmune disorders and the last. Uh, decade, the last 15 years or so, 
has really um, reached staggering proportions the way that they're growing. And so it's a, it's a real concern, um, you know, for researchers. And uh, it, here's a little interesting thing for our vegetarians that might be on the listening today is when they genetically modify a tomato, they splice in a pig gene. And the pig gene is what gives the tomato a longer shelf life. So <laughs> I don't know, a vegetarian, I'd have a little bit of a problem with that. But what they've done now is they've created a completely new amino acid, um, the end result, that we've never eaten before in our history. And it's, um, you know, it's a very concerning piece, and diet is just concerning. There has been, there was a study done by a doctor in the military, and uh, it was with um, a group of military alcoholic men. And what he found is, is that the, um, these military men, when they would eat grains that had been in their alcohol, they had increased cravings for the alcohol. So when they when they ate like hops or malt, it increased the grain. It increased cravings for alcohol. Exactly, barley. You know some of these different different things. So it's a. I can send that uh, send that study to you. But it was very. It's a very interesting study, mm-hmm. and um, and it makes sense because these are food items. Really, the alcohol. Where does it come from? I mean, it comes from food items, and when they would eat those foods in their whole sense, they would have cravings for the alcohol. And then they removed grains. Basically, they just removed all grains out of their diet is what they did except for rice, and their cravings diminished dramatically. So there's a strong strong link with what we eat and addiction. Dovetails a lot with some of the diets propounded by some fitness experts, like the Paleolithic diet, which would go back to Stone Age times where they wouldn't eat any foods like pulses and beans and wheat because you wouldn't be able to process those in such large quantities. And our diet has shifted so profoundly to having, say, wheat as its core, wheat and corn. Um, And so some of these diets really try and get us back into eating plants and raw foods and and protein uh, as as a caveman would have done. It makes sense. Stick to what... Um, our bodies have co-evolved to process, I suppose. Well, let's take another quick break. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. So, um... I wanted to ask you um, what recommendations you had given the um, issue with inflammation. And I'd like to say, you know, I think we might look at this from slightly different viewpoints um, because I think you're going to talk about adrenal fatigue and and chronic inflammation. I I think of, you know, the, the way stress throughout... Development and exposure to drugs and alcohol um, can really alter our body's responsivity to stress and um, be and cause a chronic stress reaction within it. Um, I hadn't considered the roles of genetically modified food or other causes upon that, although I could understand that they'd be they'd take their toll. So, talk to me more about what recommendations you would suggest. Um, in moving forward here? Well, one of the things I would strongly suggest is um, looking at adrenal function. When I first had my adrenal uh, test done, adrenal function test done, Mark, I was what you call a (laughs) flatliner. This is not a good place to be. It basically meant that my adrenal glands were so uh, depleted that I had no cortisol left except what my body might squeak, you know, just squeak out a little drip here or a little drip there. It was literally a flat line of my cortisol. Uh, so, uh, what that, so I guess, so generally you have a, what's called a diurnal variation yes. in cortisol secretion. You have a morning peak and an afternoon peak, and that gets abolished in substance use and chronic stress conditions it, um, or sleep disorders, actually. Yeah. Um, so, so you're, it may, is that what was happening in your case? It was more of a flat line? Yeah, it was a flat line. Now, the early stages of adrenal fatigue, what happens is the picture that you just talked about, mm-hmm. it goes into exactly the opposite. You start off very low, 
and um, you know, and, and the cortisol is there to get us going in the morning. That's why yeah. it's high in the morning. And in the early afternoon, a, a second little peak to keep us going through the rest of our, you know, our day into the evening. But in stage one, adrenal fatigue, when you're seeing it starting to evolve, it actually changes the pattern where it's very low in the morning. And so you wake up even at 7 o'clock, you're still trying to wake up at 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, it's common and, in depression, yes. um, many addiction disorders, absolutely. Absolutely, because people are looking for something for a pickup and to, and to help them. And what happens in those early stages, the cortisol levels are very high at night, which means at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and I know our listener, listeners, can, some of them can relate to this, but waking up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning needing to use the restroom. Well, actually, you probably, if this is a pattern um, and it happens every night, you're probably waking up because you're having a cortisol spike because your circadian rhythms are off due to um, uh, adrenal function issues, and, and and that's kind of an indicator, one of the indicators for early adrenal issues. And belly fat, because of a lot of cortisol, we see that. Whereas by the time you get to stage three, where your cortisol is a flat line, you actually um, lose weight and, and can um, have struggle uh, gaining weight, and you're miserable. Uh, you're completely stressed out, quick to anger. Um, you just can't handle one more thing on your plate. And adrenal function is very important to address if we've used any kind of substance, whether it be alcohol, any type of uh, drugs. Um, it's very important to assess adrenal function um, so how in is order your to... Fun- how is your adrenal function assessed? Um, it is with saliva, and the reason yeah. why is... A lot of hormone testing is done via blood, but with um, with cortisol levels where you're getting that pattern throughout the day is you want to take four saliva uh, samples throughout the day, um, first thing in the morning upon rising, before uh, lunch, before dinner, and before bed. Yeah, and no, that, that sounds, gives us our pattern. Yep, that sounds good. Yeah, and so, um, and then, you know, how do we dress it? Well, it depends upon what stage of adrenal um, fatigue or hypoadrenal you are in as to what the uh, treatment protocol would look like. Early adrenal fatigue, it can be some lifestyle changes, uh, dietary changes, and um, maybe some support for the adrenal um, glands. Stage two, and, you know, you probably are going to need some adrenal glandular in uh, in combination with yeah and and this is you know when we first had a diagnosis of hypothyroidism the um, underactive thyroid the original treatment was bovine thyroid glandular and there is not a prescription um, for adrenal uh, fatigue so there are glandulars now if you're Really, so a glandular severe, is a glandular is a chopped up gland, a bo- bovine, and it actually okay. works to support our adrenal glands. Now, the good news with adrenal fatigue is even with a flat line type of profile, it, it takes longer. But if we work diligently at it, in two years we can get back a normal type of thyroid function. I mean, excuse me, adrenal function, which uh, was my case. And and I I know from um, working with uh, in the addiction medicine and, and particularly with women, probably eighty percent of the women out there uh, that have been involved in addiction 
they are in adrenal fatigue. The percentage with men is a little bit lower, but it's still a factor. It definitely depends on what type of drug you're talking about, and um, and yeah, and I've never heard of gla- uh, an adrenal glandular supplement being given. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's um, it's pretty much in the functional medicine arena. It's pretty much a, um, a standard. And then if they're flatline and you're just really miserable, miserable, um, maybe writing a prescription for Cordef, which is actually um, you know cortisol for a period of time, but it's not something you would want to do ongoing. And uh, just a real small amount, maybe two milligrams a day for a period of time giving that boost and trying to restore the cycle, um, which can also be helped, and, and it's essential also to address, you know, sleep rhythm um, and calm that um, reactivity of the stress hormone system. Um, and I think that meditation and yoga can be very yes. effective for that as well. Ab- ab- abs- absolutely. Um, exercise. Now, I um, when after... <laughs> After I got into recovery, you know, I had to replace my one addiction for another, and I did six aerobic classes a week, and I would run five miles and uh, became involved in dance and later taught dance. Too much exercise is very stressful for our bodies, and I think a lot of people don't recognize that. But if you are in one of the stages of adrenal fatigue, you really, if, if you really exercise and really hit, hit the streets, um, it would be time to back that down a little bit and give your body an opportunity to uh, relax and do more like yoga and stretching those types of exercises. Yeah, although I'd say, it's, unfortunately, most people with um, profound addictions are not putting their um, exercise high on the list. Um, so restoring that, particularly in the morning, um, getting that cortisol increase back during the morning with some exercise um, can, uh, can be important and not too late in the evening where the arousal can interfere with sleep. Um, so you mentioned in the break a connection with heavy metals. Yes, this is, this is important. Since World War II, we've introduced, and, and I'm going to say here in the States, we've introduced 80,000 chemicals into our environment. Yes. Most of these chemicals are based on uh, heavy metals like candomum, copper, iron, lead, mercury, and all of these things are linked to um, different conditions associated with um, symptoms that, uh, of, of addiction. So, for example, aluminum is in tobacco. It's in tobacco smoke if you're breathing it in, if you're living with someone who smokes. Cocaine, it's in marijuana. It's in a lot of uh, medicinal type of compounds and nasal sprays. And, of course, it's in deodorants. I mean, it's just everywhere. And some of the symptoms are headaches, fatigue, um, agitation, and then long-term effects is dementia and um, different deficiencies of uh, minerals that we need, like iron and calcium. Um, arsenic is found in tobacco, uh, drinking water. Um, it's found in a lot of pesticides, insect sprays, all of this type of thing. And symptoms can even be hair loss and um, eating disorders, losing weight, not being able to gain weight, having a garlicky odor to yeah. breath, skin problems, but long-term effects is um, really little. Although we don't want to scare people. The, the garlicky <laughs> odor, like a lot of these issues um, were found when arsenic and, those, and, and mercury were put into drugs 
um, yes. before the 30s, um, you know, in the old era of, of pharmacy. Um, and so you knew about the garlic things. Now, these days, if you smell like garlic, it's probably because you're really healthy and eating good, good garlic. Yeah, right? yeah, this is, yeah this, is, um, this is for individuals maybe who are first in recovery. Mm-hmm. And the big thing is, is the tobacco. Um, but candomum is in tobacco and marijuana, cocaine, crack, and uh, all different kinds of it's in it's in evaporated milk actually um and the the problem with the heavy metals is 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 that maybe the amount is safe in powdered milk and in talc you know in different cosmetics and all of this but the problem is is that heavy metals they don't come out of our body they're not excreted out of our body they're stored so over time what happens is is we develop heavy metal toxicity because of the of the burden of the heavy metals and the only way to remove them is to have a treatment protocol that is focused on removing them um, out of our bodies and um, we have found, for, for example, um, with lead, is this is associated with learning disabilities. Mercury is associated with scattered thinking. It's hard for, to have um, memory concentration yeah. in these types of things. And so we want to get them out of our bodies. Well, let's take a quick break because we okay. need to, and then we'll come back and you can tell us how to get it out of our bodies. Sounds good. Okay, Corley, thanks. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk. Network. 
what it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart, but I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Hello, welcome back. Um, this is now on time, and this is Mark Green standing in for Mary um, with Corley Jones, who's the president of um, PCI Opportunities. Corley, if people want to learn more about what you're doing and get, or get in contact with you, how could they do that? Um, the best way would probably be just drop us an uh, email, and the address would be info at PCI, that's Paul... Charles Indian, stepplan.com, and we can get information or direct you to um, one of the things we do is in, in a particular area, Mark, so say adrenal fatigue, is there's several different labs out there that do adrenal function testing. So what we do is, is through our physicians, we do split sampling, and what that means is we would send a sample of saliva into the same laboratory under two different patient names, mm-hmm. but it's the same sample. So you would expect to get back similar test results. Now, there's no, there, it's not going to be exactly the same because the uh, saliva is, is made up of, of different things, but sure. it's going to be very close. It wouldn't be, you wouldn't expect more than a 5%, maybe 7% variance. And um, through doing that exercise, we determine which laboratory has the best reproducibility, and that would be a laboratory that we would recommend. That makes good sense. Yep. Yeah. So, so anyways, if um, someone wants to contact us, we can let them know um, the laboratories we recommend, and, of course, they can do their, their own research. But um, there's some good labs out there for adrenal function testing, for the heavy metal testing, um, and these are all, as we've said, are important um, important pieces. And also, if they're interested in the Synopsigenex product, we can get them information on that. So um, that's info at um, PCISTEPCare.com. It's actually STEP plan, PCI STEP, S-T-E-P-P-L-A-N.com. Great. So before the break, you were telling us about heavy metals, and um, my dad was a pharmacist, actually. He's... Uh, and was trained in the early days of pharmacy, compounding mercury into the hours. Um, and uh, so the heavy metal toxicities, you know, that you're talking about were very, um, uh, more, were much more apparent then and dramatic at times. Um, but these might be more subtle and we might not be paying so much attention to them because they are slowly accumulating in our yeah. um, lives. So apart from eating carefully and not licking Scotchgard and um, <laughs> things like that, how can we um, 
what do these cleansings entail? Well, there's a. It's really we have a we have a company that we work with, and um, uh, a woman actually who has been doing um, uh, treatment protocols for the heavy metal testing specifically for about twenty some years. And uh, we work with her and her company, and basically the treatment protocol is completely customized to the individual, and it really depends upon what heavy metals they have in their system to one, what degree. But what's really fun about it is, is we can do the heavy metal testing and then do the treatment protocol and then redo the heavy metal testing, and we can see a significant significant reduction in the heavy metals. And the, um, the laboratory is a third party, so they have no involvement with the company that does the customized treatment plan. So it really is, um, you know, uh, it, it really is reliable. And it's really exciting to, to see your levels drop down to heavy metals, and also you can feel it. You you're have better concentration and thinking, etc. Very interesting. Okay, so it varies for the different accumulated toxins, and um, it's a customized approach. It's a customized approach, de- yeah. depending on that uh, that individual client's um, heavy metal profile. Well, that makes that seems appropriate. Yeah. Um, so, um, what do you? Um, you also mentioned in the break another important issue, which we'll only just be able to mention very briefly. It's that of sleep um, apnea, yeah. and um, that's something which is very close to Westbridge's heart and which we're very keen to um, improve in, in assessment and treatment. Right. Um, so perhaps a few words on that. Sure. Well, obstructive sleep apnea is a tremendous problem, and of course, more and more people are complaining of sleep issues, and we know more and more about the need for restorative sleep. But with obstructive sleep apnea, what happens is is in the um, air passage, in the narrowest area of the air passage, it's about oh, maybe about 7, 10 centimeters into your air passage, um, there can be, while we're sleeping at night, either a collapsing or um, a, a, a slight blockage while we're sleeping and we're not getting enough oxygen. What happens over time is, is that OSA is linked to, um, it's linked to uh, hypertension. And, in fact, OSA increases hypertension by about 45%, and it's linked to nocturnal strokes, individuals that die in their sleep from a stroke, and it's prevalent in 70% of dementia cases. Now, it makes sense because you're not getting enough oxygen every night. Um, And also, OSA in the published literature has been shown to reduce your lifespan by eight years. Now, here's the key thing is because there's this very narrow air passage, if we, we've been talking about inflammation, if we have just a little bit of inflammation, then that, that we could have OSA. In the published literature, they've linked smoking and alcohol to inflammation and OSA, but also we've talked about other things, diet, heavy metals, um, all of these types of things uh, are linked to well, inflammation uh, and, course- and linked to OSA. Of course, the um, major cause of OSA um, is often um, obesity, 
um, yeah. and and together with smoking, um, there is some genetic aspect to it. But um, obesity obviously goes together with uh, <laughs> just not taking good yeah. care of yourself. I think the um, dementia cases are uh, a lot of them might be central sleep apnea, which is slightly different than the obstructive, mm-hmm. um, where the the brain uh, because of dementia is not able to um, drive the um, inspiration, the breath in, um, as the um, oxygen level goes down and carbon dioxide goes up. So I think that's more with the dementia cases. Yes. Although certainly I think with obstructive sleep apneas, as the oxygen level goes down, um, you can really deprive the brain of the oxygen it needs so that the next day people are more fuzzy their concentration and driving ability goes down um, and it can profoundly affect cognitive and work performance right and you know here's some some a couple interesting things mark um restless leg syndrome Mm -hmm. multiple sclerosis and even hypothyroidism and adhd have been linked to uh obstructive sleep apnea, and these aren't typically the things that we think of when we think of OSA. We think of that overweight man, but we have seen some individuals. We did a a physician's conference and had one of the female physicians there, a tiny, thin woman, and she had one of the worst airways we had ever seen. We have a really... um, uh, amazing screening tool. It's called a pharyngometer, which it's a two-minute test that a client breathes into, and it actually, through sound, maps out the air passage. It doesn't give a definitive diagnosis of OSA, but what it is is as a screening tool for airway issues. And so we did did her test, if you will, and she had a terrible, terrible airway. And well, we've seen not children, always the overweight. Exactly. We, we are really tricked into the, the, the tyranny of the majority. Um, exactly. That the, that, and this is really the theme of what you've been talking about. We've really, to, to provide the best treatment to our patients and people we care about, we have to start thinking a little bit more outside the box, consider what we're putting into our bodies, considering how we're leading our lives, considering how we're sleeping. and and. It sounds like your resource and your company is providing a resource for those edges of the box that the mainstream is perhaps missing. That's our focus. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing it with us today. So, um, so Corley Jones, people can reach you at info at um, pcistepplan.com. That's it. Thank you very much, um, thank you. Mark. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here today. Well, you've been a great guest. Thank you. Enjoy the sun. All the best. Bye. appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.